Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coffee with a Recruiter podcast. I'm your host, Jose. Joining me today is Hannah Keel, the managing partner of Unleashed. Unleashed is a company that works with early-stage startups and scale-ups to create and implement projects in people's strategy, operations, infrastructure, and culture. Hannah joins me to discuss all things people-related, including branding, mental health, interviewing, benefits, and much more on the Coffee with a Recruiter podcast. Okay, recording now. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Very good. Very much looking forward to speaking with you. Um, I'm familiar with, with Unleashed and the work that you do. Um, actually, we've, we've even like I've interviewed with you also in the past through mm-hmm. a company you used to work at. So um, I like the work of being sort of like a external but internal type um HR or recruitment partner. I'm familiar with the model. Um, Mm -hmm. So very much looking forward to this. And also because, well, the whole sort of people and HR dimension of talent acquisition is something that's quite interesting to me and to a lot of listeners. So thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, no worries. Very happy to be here. Thank you, Anna. Well, can you, I guess, can we start maybe with an introduction to yourself and um, Unleashed and, and what you guys are all about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm Hannah. I'm managing partner at um, Unleashed, and um, essentially we exist to support startups and scale ups, kind of um, growing sustainably and successfully um, through people and culture. So um, we um, kind of work with companies on the entirety of like that people experience, um, really looking at it through the lens of yes, how can we make things um, as people focused as human um and as scalable um and sustainable as possible um so yeah we've we've been around for um kind of coming up to four years now um but have grown really in the last kind of couple of years and we've worked with over uh, 70 different startups now um and yes as you said we we kind of work um embedded within businesses as as kind of partners um that's the way we we kind of find um working most effectively um basically so um so yeah we really do kind of um see businesses at such interesting like stages of their their kind of growth journey um so yeah that that's me um and i get well that's unleashed um i guess uh, just by way of introduction to to me briefly um so i have been in the people space um pretty much since since graduating um like a lot of people say about recruitment i i find um i kind of fell into it um my first ever job title was actually people person. Um, and I think it might be still kind of the most perfect one I've ever, um, I've ever had really. Um, so yeah, just kind of, um, fell into that like generalist, uh, people role, um, really through kind of nothing more than a vague wish of wanting, knowing that I wanted to kind of work, um, enabling and supporting people. Um, that was a really awesome, kind of growth opportunity at a really uh, fast growing scale up um and yeah the rest is the rest is kind of history um i love kind of just yeah i guess i really honed over the past few years that my uh, my mission personally um it, while working in this space is just to enable and support people to do the best work of, of their life and that's kind of what gets me up in the morning um and and keeps me going it gives me my um energy so yeah How's that? 
credit yeah. card. <laughs> yeah, absolutely perfect. Well, it's a it's an interesting model that you guys have, and I wanted to ask, and I know the answer to this more or less, but it's sort of what's the benefit of um, having a, a sort of external or what's a good way of putting it, a talent partner, right? Mm-hmm. Or a culture partner on site through uh, another company as opposed to maybe working with an agency or just, mm-hmm. um, or working with an internal person. Sort of what's the value that that the model brings more or less? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, I guess like we don't see our workers um, kind of in any way really being in competition with, with people in internal roles. Uh, um, interestingly, like, yeah, we, we actually help a lot of businesses um, find their first kind of internal uh, people people. So I guess that's that's the first um, thing. Like we see ourselves very much as, as kind of, um, I guess, like bringing um, maybe the degree of support um, that is needed at a really early stage um, business when you actually really need to kind of focus on building really strong foundations um, from a people and culture perspective, but you maybe don't have um, either the budget or just the need really for for a full-time people person. Um, And I think also we um, add value in terms of just the diversity of our our expertise within the team. So um, we're a small team of 10 at the moment, but um, amongst kind of that we have uh as well as as all kind of being um really experienced people generalists we um have qualified coaches we have neuroscientists we have um i'm my particular kind of real area of interest and and kind of i guess depth of expertise is is mental health at work um so yeah everyone in our team um yeah brings something extra um and when you you kind of work with us i guess you have one person who is uh kind of embedded with you and kind of has the rich context of of your business um but you also get to benefit from tapping into to kind of that expertise um in a way that maybe you wouldn't um with one person uh internally but but yeah as i said we we kind of don't really see ourselves i guess competing with um like an internal model in the sense that it does just um from a people and culture standpoint i i really passionately believe that that kind of every business gets to the stage where actually they do need to start building out um an internal like people team and um so we often actually help businesses do that um when the time is right um and then stay on and kind of give that um that people team extra capacity um on strategic work um and then also kind of coaching and mentorship so um i guess we yeah see ourselves as as kind of coexisting and and adding um additional value whether you have a people team um in place um, or not, but but yeah, um, I guess those be be the main things that I would highlight. And I guess one thing that I've been wondering, right, and maybe this is because I'm slightly um, uninformed on the subject, but um, I see this this job title like people partner or head mm-hmm. of people. Um, it's quite overlapping with things like HR director or HR manager. I mean, is there a difference? Is it just synonyms of the same role? Um, how would you see that? Yeah, so uh, I <laughs> have so many opinions on this. Um, yeah, so I definitely believe that really strongly that there is kind of a big difference. Um, I think language is really important, right? It tells us um, 
you know, not just when we choose certain words, we're not just kind of repeating a dictionary definition. We're also like those words have meaning. Um, And I think uh, calling a function which um, supposedly exists to, um, yeah, enable and support people within the business and and kind of make sure that um, really people who are your best asset in pretty much any business um, are are kind of feeling supported and able to do their best work. I I think it says a lot if you uh, call that function human resources. Um, I I also think that there is is kind of a... a distinction in terms of often like the practical difference between like what people in those different roles are doing um again because of the value that the business places maybe on on um on kind of the function so hr to me like really conjures up um a very like traditional image of like the fun police as people who spend a lot of time on compliance on um you know admin a very like back office function and not really one that can be trusted to be honest um because I think there's been countless instances um at all scales of business but like uh kind of things like uber um spring to mind of like hr really failing to um write very serious wrongs um kind of within within businesses so so yeah i I think hr um yeah as i said is feels quite defensive to me feels very um much an administrative function whereas people i think rightly um takes its place kind of really at the center of of the organization um figuring out yeah like from a strategic perspective um how a business um scales and how it uh yeah supports um and enables the people within it um along along the way so um yeah I, I see them quite quite differently that's not to say that people kind of in roles where hr is their job title aren't doing kind of amazing very progressive um people work i, I just think it's it is kind of quite telling um which one of those an organization chooses um these days yeah i quite agree i mean human resources that sounds it's it's so interesting that you mentioned the fun police because that's kind of sort of <laughs> the image that i would generally have whereas mm. if you put the word people in it and uh, i suppose the aim becomes a bit different right it's it's all about helping your people grow in a certain mm. sense within the company and progressing your company further and I suppose one of the things that you mentioned that's quite interesting is mental health, right? Mm. See, you know, you're you've you've done some work in this in this area, I suppose, correct? Back in mm-hmm. Unleashed, is that something that you guys also look after? Yeah, absolutely. We certainly kind of help um, businesses start that conversation about mental health, kind of with within um within their teams. I think uh, for me, it's like a really fundamental part of of building a strong culture actually um is having kind of open and genuine conversations about about mental health i think especially kind of considering everything that's that's happened with the pandemic um this has become even more important um but yeah really i see it as as absolutely um key and it is kind of a real a real passion um of mine i'm actually kind of a mental health first aid instructor um and that's something that we offer to businesses kind of through um unleashed as well um and yeah i guess my passion about it really comes from from personal experience as I think it does for a lot of a lot of people who um kind of work in this in this space um so I grew up kind of um 
with a really close family member who um, lives with quite severe mental health um, problems. And uh, I was just always kind of struck um, growing up that when kind of we were amongst the family, um, it was something that we talked about constantly because it had a really big impact on on kind of um, our lives, really, on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, and then outside of the house, we just never spoke about it at all. Um, and no one ever told me that. Um, like don't talk about it um but it just I I just knew um and that's always kind of struck me as as really unfair um and really wrong um and I guess kind of coming into my first people role um I was really privileged that that people felt comfortable kind of opening up to me about things that were going on in their life um and yeah I was really surprised actually with just the the prevalence of kind of stress and uh, depression and anxiety and kind of just the the common uh kind of I guess these were conversations that I was having like on a day-to-day week-by-week basis and yet there was the same kind of um almost distinction in that people felt really comfortable speaking to me about it um in private but it wasn't really a conversation that we were having um kind of as as a company um and so yeah that's that's kind of where my drive came from to change that that dynamic because I think often like especially um in startups like we it's really um it's really obvious to me actually that that kind of some of the reasons why um you know people might be experiencing poor mental health are actually to do with the culture sometimes and so I think um that that for me is a really really strong link I think um a culture that uh yeah like is is human is one where you're able to kind of speak openly about um your mental health and and one where um kind of really I guess I guess um yeah the behavioral like norms of that like company aren't um yeah conducive to to triggering poor mental health um so yeah I guess some of the traditional associations with like startups and like hustle culture and working very long hours and kind of feeling like you have to really give everything um to that business I think um thankfully yeah startups are are starting to wake up to the fact um that, that that actually isn't a very productive or a very healthy way to make people work the entire time so um so yes that was a very long winded way of saying um I guess it's something that yeah I'm really really passionate about and I think um yeah is really fundamental to having a a successful business and um yeah culture where there is genuine care for the uh for the people within the business well one of the things that makes it so difficult to tackle mental health is there seems to be sort of somewhat of a stigma around mental health. Like if you talk about mm-hmm. it, if you're suffering from mental health, then um, what are people going to think? What's my boss going to think? What are my colleagues mm-hmm. going to think? But also, do I want to personally share the story with colleagues, right? It's mm-hmm. almost the, the challenge also there. So it becomes a, a an issue or a problem that very few Let's say if you're if you're in a company and there's people suffering from mental health issues, you won't immediately see it. People won't because because a lot of people they'll they won't talk about it too much. So it's mm. something that's tough to 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 see until sometimes until it's too late, right? Mm. Um, so what are if there was one step like the first step like let's say you're a startup and and uh, you know you, you maybe you're the founder or one of the managers. 
and things seem to going smoothly. And then all of a sudden, a colleague decides to to leave. And then mm-hmm. that's, I'm assuming maybe that's kind of how it happens. Like you think everything's going well until that one colleague decides to leave. And in the exit interview, they say, you know what, it's, they've been overworked. They feel very stressed and they just, they don't feel comfortable anymore. Um, you know, what's, what's sort of the first step you can take, you know, to, to start improving things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think, um, the f- the first step really like for me is is very very simple which is um kind of ask uh your team how they're doing and care about the answer um it sounds so basic but i think like often um especially in like very very busy um fast growing kind of startups um it can be easy to get caught up in in kind of your own hype almost and think that everything is going really swimmingly and that like that's the case for for all of the people kind of within the business so I think um like the single most important thing for me that like founders and managers can do is kind of to make sure that they are um taking the time that is necessary to to check in um with people ask them how they are and and not just kind of take I'm fine necessarily for for an answer you know I think there's a big difference between um asking how you're doing at the start of a one-to-one and asking kind of how are you doing physically, mentally, emotionally, like the the reflexive kind of answer of I'm fine maybe doesn't come so easily when you you kind of ask the question in a way that makes it clear that you really care about the, the answer and care about kind of the different um you know, kind of, I, I guess, uh, like their well-being in a holistic um, way. So, um, yeah, um, and I, I think you're right in that um, often, you know, it gets to breaking point before uh, kind of people feel necessarily like comfortable um, talking about these things. But I, I also don't think that that has to be the case. Um, I think there's so much you can do like as an organisation to to set it up so that, that people do feel comfortable. Um talking about this openly um but also that if they don't they still know kind of where to go to get uh, to access support um you know speaking about things openly right it isn't for everyone um and it is a hard thing to do it takes kind of emotional strength and and it's it's taking a risk at the end of the day even if you have a culture that is is super open you i think it's still very natural to be worried about what what impact is this going to have on on me and my career here um and so yeah i think uh it's also really important for organizations to just like provide resources for people to um go off and and kind of seek the support um that they want um if if they need and if if they want it um and that includes kind of just thing very simple things like having information about um kind of your your benefits um and your uh like if you're lucky enough to help healthcare for example kind of including information on on how to access kind of the mental health components of that um or if you use a service like spill or unmind or sanctus kind of you know really actually talking about the fact that that's available and it's there and it's anonymous and it's for anyone to use um so yeah i think hopefully uh yeah, uh, I think in organisations that that do this really well, um, there's options for people that that do want to talk about it openly, um, and for people who that's not the right step um, for. 
Um, and I guess the final thing that I'd say on that is that um, when we talk about like mental health, we often confuse kind of that term with mental ill health. Um, and actually everyone has mental health all of the time. Um, and actually, yeah, like we shouldn't just be reacting to people with poor mental health, but we should be talking about, I think, um, in a really positive way, which is actually in exactly the same way as you would go to the gym if you wanted to improve your physical well-being like there are also a ton of things that you can do kind of proactively um to support your mental well-being um and I think talking about it in that sense and making that distinction clear between kind of um mental health in general and uh mental ill health or mental illness is also kind of an important thing for organizations to talk about yeah, it's so important. I mean, the first step, just being your manager or or founder or or even a colleague, just asking you, hey, how are you doing or how's everything? And mm. um, and just being sort of, what's a good way of putting it, non-judgmental about whatever answer you, you provide, right? Because some days you mm. feel like talking about things, but some days you don't quite want to talk about things, but you still want someone to to be there, right? Mm. Like it, it feels good, even if someone, even if you're not spilling your guts out and telling your whole, uh, you, you know, your story of, of why you're feeling sad, it's still good that there are people there in the company um, that are there willing to listen to you. And, mm. and especially, I guess, it's if it's from like a, a manager, right? Because I suppose there's this underlying fear of, of man. I mean, there's kind of an underlying fear of, of managers because they control your career <laughs> almost. And um, you're thinking, who is this person? You know, if I show weakness, what are they going to think? Mm. So once, once you open that door of like, Hey, how are you doing today? If there's anything wrong, let me know. Then, you know, that kind of, at least that those simple words, they tend to change things a little bit and think, Oh, okay, mm. you know what? My, you know, my, my boss is not a, uh, tyrannical, you know, high performance person. No, they're a human being that they, you know, they're, they're, they care. Yeah. So something definitely. Um, mm. I definitely think it, it, it connects to another thing that I wanted to talk about. So because people, they want to work in places that they're going to be happy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, employer brand is such an important aspect of that because that's sort of how you show to the world like, hey, this is actually a great place to to work at. And we mm-hmm. know that as a job seeker, you're going to research the hell out of a company before you consider interviewing. Right. You might look at their website, then maybe a blog, their Instagram. You're going to check mm-hmm. out any articles online you're going to check out whatever material you can find on them before really committing to something um have you have you had much much i suppose you know with the startups you you have worked at or maybe other people that are unleashed has there been a lot of situations where you join a startup they have zero brand out there and you sort of had to start that from scratch Yes, no, absolutely. So I think it's it's one of the main things that the companies um, that we work with um, kind of look for our, our help with um, is really kind of how do I attract great talent when um, no one knows who we are at the moment um, and we don't have kind of the budget um, to make lovely shiny videos like Google or, or kind of Microsoft or um, or anything um, like that. So so yeah, um, I and I always find it a really interesting process um, employer branding because for me it's about like helping the company really be able to define and articulate who they are um 
I think being clear about your your mission what you're trying to achieve um and kind of your values so the things that like actually um you you live and breathe by on a day-to-day basis I think articulating that is really the foundation of a of a kind of strong um employer brand and I think um I think it's important that's that's clear and it stands for something um I think a lot of companies try very hard to attract the broadest range of people possible. And actually you wouldn't employ everyone. And so kind of having an employer brand that actually stands for something and um, is, you know, potentially a little bit Marmite um, is not necessarily, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, So, so yeah, definitely something that we support uh, with with a lot. And I think, yeah, the root of it is really your, your mission um, and, and your values. What are the generally the first few steps to to take when creating for the first time an employer brand, right? And I suppose implementing mm-hmm. it. I mean, I can assume, as you mentioned, defining what that brand is and your values or, you know, employer value proposition. Why would mm-hmm. people want to work here and defining that? And then is it just a step between there and then start creating blogs, posts, all of that? Sort of what would be, roughly speaking, a good you know, starter, you know, first two, three steps. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I think number one is definitely kind of that vision and uh, mission and those values. So what are the things that make you, you? And what are the things that make you different to kind of other companies doing exciting, disrupting, disruptive, cool things um, in kind of your space or, or in the startup scene in general? Um, so I think that's the first thing. Um, and then I would say, uh, yes, employer value proposition. Um, so I think a lot of people like just view this as benefits. Um, and that is obviously kind of one aspect of it. Um, but I actually think that people really need to, um, define like a value proposition in a broader sense. Like people aren't going to necessarily make the decision on whether to come and work for you over another company based on, you know, the details of whether you provide kind of like I don't know um x random piece of insurance um or whatever um what they also really really care about is the intrinsic stuff right like is this going to be an environment where I can thrive like is this going to be an environment where I can work flexibly or kind of work from um like whatever is important to that person um I think it's really important that you you put that out there the intrinsic things that um are going to be attractive uh for people whatever whatever those are so again it's kind of I keep coming back to this phrase like what makes you you um but it's figuring out kind of what are those things that are the reason why people would want to come and work for us and want to kind of get out of bed um, in the morning Um, and I think another mistake that people make there in in kind of defining that is not asking their team um, which sounds really silly but I think um, often you know EVPs can be drawn up by you know a founder or kind of the people team who might have one view of what the advantages of working kind of at a particular company are but um actually you know what your team thinks might be completely different um and that's a big part of what we do in general actually at unleashed is is coach people that your starting point should always be um asking the team and making sure that you are kind of within the structure of your your business kind of as much as possible taking into account like people's individual needs um because it's highly likely that they your team will come up with 
you know, in the case of EVP, far more um, kind of interesting and um, kind of different perspectives that that maybe you just kind of hadn't thought of. Um, so I think that's the that's the second thing, EVP. And then the third thing that I'd say is like figuring out kind of, okay, so once you've got this definition of your vision, your values, kind of your EVP, what you stand for as a company, like how are you going to translate that? Um, and where are the people that kind of you're looking to recruit? Where are they hanging out? Um, so for some companies, you know, blogging is and creating content is great. Um, and actually, I would argue that content can be can be really powerful, pretty much like whatever um, your brand, you maybe just need to think about kind of the channel that, that you um, kind of go into. Because I think, um, yeah, especially if you're able to kind of get blogs written by people in the team, then it gives people like a really nice idea of what it's actually like to um to work there and, and kind of lift the curtain um yeah i think um what i was saying like the third point was just around kind of um figuring out how you translate um that information so once you've defined like your vision your values um and kind of what makes you you um figuring out kind of um how you translate that to make sure that it reaches the people that you want to reach so um there's no point like for example like investing a lot of time in creating some great content and uh, sprucing up your your page for linkedin if actually all of the people that you want to hire are like hanging out over um like in github or something um so so yeah i think it's it's important to kind of think about like yeah where are the people that i'm looking to recruit like really um hanging out and how can i kind of translate you know what what we've defined as as kind of our employer brand um to them um oh yeah um i also think like a good principle to bear in mind when thinking about this stuff is is show don't tell um, so I think a lot of like jobs pages that I look at are really good at being like, we're a great place to work. Come work for us for all of, all of these reasons. Um, and actually like, you know, some of that bump can be helpful, but, um, it's much more powerful for me as a job seeker if like I can, um, like actually see that in action. So if I can like see what your office looks like, I can see that people are like having fun there. I can maybe watch a video, um, that gives me a bit of a feel for kind of your culture. Um, and one that feels like authentic and natural, right? Like people want want to see what it is actually like to be there on a day-to-day basis they don't want to see kind of a really highly edited very um polished um kind of view of, of people being like interviewed stiffly generally like I think um, there's been quite a bit of research done on this and generally the content that works the best is is the content that's the most um effective so so yeah I think um the more visual stuff you can get the better um but just yeah think about kind of uh who you're trying to reach and um what the best channel to kind of translate um your employer brand will be yeah well it's um it's really a tricky thing to start with because i mean for companies they don't have the resources but they still need mm-hmm. uh you know candidates they need to get their their face out there and at the same time no one knows them so it's tough to really familiarize yourself with the brand and and then you don't have the right people in and so you think okay how do i start you know so mm. it's um it's definitely an interesting challenge although to maybe balance that a lot of people do want to work at startups right you know they like that mm-hmm. that stage where it you know things are fresh it's very uh, you know the company is young and we're building processes from scratch so um that's also one thing that attracts people is just that stage you're in when you're just starting yeah 
Yeah, no, 100%. Um, And I I think it's easy to overthink these things sometimes. I I think, like, everything is an opportunity to get your brand across, especially when you're you're kind of very, very small. So I think something that people, like, don't really pay much attention to sometimes um, early on is is job specs. Um, Like, that's a statement about who you are and uh, not just kind of the role that you're recruiting for, but, like, people you know, are are not just kind of reading the bullet points that you've um, put out there, but they're reading between the lines. So if you're using kind of language that isn't particularly like inclusive, um, you know, that's going to have an impact kind of, there's a lot of evidence to to show that. Um, If you're kind of, yeah, people get a feel for the type of company you are based on the language you use. So even like very simple things can be uh, like job specs can be a, a way of communicating kind of your employer brand um and i think equally um as i was saying like the the most effective like types of employer brand content uh for me like are not the highly polished very um well edited necessarily like videos they're the stuff that just comes across as like authentic um and human and gives people an actual flavor of the personalities that that work there so um you know I've recorded like great employer branding videos um, with an iPhone. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it's it's very easy to kind of overthink the polish that's that's needed um, for these things. Well, I'd be curious to see some of those videos if you can send me a few just to just to get an idea of what like a very very what's a good way of putting it um, low budget but still effective. Mm. Um, you know, video can look like. Um, and I like that you said sometimes we overthink it because, you know, I've been doing some research on on employer brand and there's this this one book and um, that I was reading and I just had to put it down because it lists meetings and meetings and thinking and a lot of thinking and research. And then uh, only at page like 120 does the implementation start or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's like, no, I'm not going to, I can't do, I, no one has the time to form a committee and then have back-to-back meetings and then have an external consultant in to chip mm-hmm. in and then, um, you know, write a proposition and then have it reviewed and then double check. And then, you know, it's it's just too much work. Sometimes you just need to start doing, uh, you know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, because if you start making it too time-consuming, um, your colleagues are going to think, well, oh, my God, this is just, this is just, you know, I don't have time to, to, to contribute to this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I also think some of that like over-engineering takes the fun and the creativity around out of it, which um, kind of also reduces the level of authenticity, right? Like the more kind of overthinking you do about these things and the more kind of overproducing um, you do kind of the more stiff the end result tends to come out as um so so yeah i think um start small um kind of experiment a little bit have fun with it see what works um and go from there absolutely one one thing that i wanted to touch upon and at this one i'm just it's something that that i'm really passionate about and and that's interviewing right so it's it's one thing that i've been trying to 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 research and improve at, at companies i've been right i mean how do you how do you create an interview process? How do you know that it's that the process is working? Because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's all about qualifying and 
and interviewing candidates and making sure that you're hiring the right person for the for your company, right? I mean, is mm-hmm. that something Unleash touches upon or or that you've touched upon in the past? You know, like trying to create a good a good interview process with hiring managers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, at Unleash, we don't uh, necessarily get involved with kind of day-to-day um, recruitment because we're not we're not experts in that by far. Um, but uh, kind of designing that interview experience is definitely something that we, we support kind of companies um, with. And I think... Um, to get this to get this right, I think you have to um, start at the very beginning. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, there's no way you're going to have a good interview process if you don't actually define upfront kind of what you're looking for. Um, and I don't mean kind of list every bullet point under the sun um, and have like everything. Be really sure about kind of uh, you know every single thing that this person might do because in startups that's often very much not the reality um but I do mean that you should have kind of a clear idea if you're recruiting someone kind of what you know I I often kind of challenge founders to um like sum up kind of the person's mission in this role in the sentence and I think that can be a really powerful way of like just asking people like what impact do you want this person kind of coming in um, to this world to have. Um, and so that's kind of where I like to start with um, with helping kind of people define like the purpose of the role. And um, like from that, you should have a clear idea of the skills that you want to assess. Um, and then you can kind of build a, an interview process really around um, kind of assessing those things um, in a variety of different ways. But I think, um, I guess just at a high level, some things to bear in mind, um, candidate experience is is everything um you're never going to kind of be able to hire the best people you want to hire if you don't kind of think about that and what um the experience is like from from a candidate's perspective so i think um you know a lot of startups uh i think maybe early on kind of make the mistake of making their that interview process as long as something like Facebook or Google and having 15 different types of interviews where you meet kind of basically everyone in the company um, and people don't have time for that in their life, um, frankly. So I think, um, uh, yeah, and it also, yeah, causes a whole host of problems. Um, But uh, so, yeah, I think it's about getting really clear on like, what do we want to test and what um, are some ways that that we can do that? So um, not just kind of, um, I guess, traditional interviews but thinking about like how can we test this practically um so that candidates get an idea of like what it's actually like to be doing the job um and you get an idea of like seeing their skills in in action so i think um yeah like keep it to as few stages as possible um be really clear about kind of uh where one is in the process give them like some clear expectations um and yeah really focus on on candidate experience and hone in on like the things that you're actually looking for um and by doing so you will also kind of reduce bias in the process um because questions like i don't know what did you have for breakfast and like <laughs> you know um or you're I guess, a football fan or something like yeah, that. <laughs> it's just it's just an invitation to be incredibly biased, basically. Like, um, yes, be like empathetic and create some small talk and make candidates feel comfortable. But um, I think like too often, you know, unstructured assessments for culture fit are just basically like opportunities for bias to creep into the into the process. So again, I think it is important to um 
you know, look at that within within your process and and kind of find um, a way of uh, figuring out like what this person will actually add to your culture. Um, but yeah, not doing it so in a way that is going to yeah invite bias into the process. Sorry, that was a bit of a ramble. <laughs> no, it's very uh, true. I mean, the first the first step, and it's actually quite surprising how few companies take the time to to do this so a proper job analysis i mean mm. a lot of companies the first thing or hiring managers the first thing they do is i'll just start writing a job description right mm-hmm. and then they list maybe five bullet points of like skills that that you're looking for and then you post that online and then the hiring process generally looks like okay who do we you know who are they going to work with okay let them mm-hmm. interview with a and then Mm, I like B, you know, B is a good colleague. Let's, let's put Mm -hmm. B in and C, well, you know, let's just put the founder in. Um, But by then, like, we'll know. And, and then C is just like a, um, what's a good way of putting it? Like, like, um, uh, not necessarily like an essential stage, like the final stage sometimes is not essential, but, you know, Mm -hmm. just in case, you know, just to, just uh what's a good way of putting it like to cut the ribbon almost to yeah to make sure everyone's on the same page but starting first with a proper analysis of okay what are the responsibilities what are the outcomes that we expect from this person mm-hmm. um, not just skills like hard skills like okay they need to be a good programmer or they need to know a b and c in terms of their their hard skills but Okay, soft skills, okay, communication skills, or what do they need to know in terms of teamwork? But also then looking at things like, okay, you know, let's talk about not non, non-skilled related things like their personality. Do we want someone that's maybe a bit extroverted, that's maybe open to new ideas, or actually very, very by the book and following strict rules um and then you know do we want someone motivated someone that is very determined to to succeed as a workaholic or is or someone that's actually you know if they're going to be engaging with customers and with a lot of colleagues someone that's more laid back and Mm -hmm. and more um easygoing from that perspective just thinking about these things first before jumping into okay the stages and the job description and yeah so forth it's um it's an essential it's an essential step but it also sort of forms your your i suppose later on how are you going to evaluate these people right because mm-hmm. um you need to understand the role first before you put it out before you interview but also before you start deciding on the outcomes that you want this person uh, to 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 provide or the accomplishments you want to see from this person so that's yeah. something you you've you've touched upon in the past you know a performance evaluation framework something along those lines Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, um, I guess enabling high performance is is something that like every single founder of every business um, wants, obviously. And so, yeah, we spend a lot of time kind of looking at that from from various different ways. Um, I guess just to build on what you were just saying, first of all, before I, I, I dive into that, I think, yeah, like it's so um, it's so important to do that kind of work up front um, and it saves so much time and so much pain um, later down the line because you're right, it's not only kind of useful for the hiring process, but it's also useful for, you know, setting expectations um, clearly with someone when they start, um, kind of making it clear kind of what success looks like and, and kind of having like a smooth um onboarding like lot so many people i can't remember the exact 
statistic off the off the top of my head but I think it's something crazy like 40 percent of people kind of leave um jobs within the first like six months um yeah something like that um either way like it's a crazy amount um and so much of that I think is down to like miscommunication and and uh, expectations that like don't align um and I guess the only other thing that I'd say about that is um it is really important that you do this kind of every time you're adding something someone new to the team um just because I think off the other thing that hiring managers often do especially when you know things are moving really fast and the business is growing um is just copy and pasting kind of like oh we've we used this job select before so um like yeah that's good to go we'll just post it um and you know like obviously if it's exactly the same role to a point that will be true um however i think it's like really really important if you want to build kind of diverse high performing teams that you think about like as you said kind of not just the the skills but like the qualities that you're looking for and um like the things that are going to really balance out the team um i think like if you have like sales is always the classic example like <laughs> Um, right I'm sorry you've heard this a million times before but like yes um traditionally kind of you know people associate that with um like wanting to have like really real grit is a word that I hear um a lot uh kind of really highly competitive um people but actually if you throw just like a bunch of people who have exactly the same traits and characteristics you're also going to find your with a team that isn't able to collaborate very well doesn't really help each other and like could potentially be really out of step with like the rest of the culture of your business um if if it isn't kind of really aligned with those those values so i think it's really important to you know do that analysis like just not just from the perspective of um what like skills do I need but also like how is this person going to like add something to the team that is different from what we already have um and even if they're doing the same job day to day like just doing the the little bit of thinking behind like what are we missing like where are our potential blind spots um as a team can be so so important um and really like set you up for more long-term success if you just kind of take that that time up front um you'll save yourself so much time later um so yeah couldn't agree um more um but you asked about performance sorry got sidetracked um (laughs) yeah so um i guess kind of um again i would i was kind of um well where to start with this um so at unleashed one of the um things that uh, one of the other things uh words that we hate almost or, or phrases that we hate almost as much as uh hr um hang on i'll start that sentence again it was terrible <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah i guess like uh at unleashed there there is another phrase that we hate um almost as much as um human resources um and that is like performance management Mm-hmm. Um, and we've actually kind of completely rebranded that and the word that we use with our clients or the phrase that we use with our clients, sorry, um, is performance enablement um, because I think performance management, again, kind of very much like the traditional HR approach uh, implies kind of a uh, really strong sense of control and a sense of like micromanaging, which I think very few people enjoy. Um, and really like the goal of of kind of any 
process around uh, or practice that a company has around performance should be about like how can we set this person up for success how can we um, enable them to to, uh, like achieve their their potential so I guess that's the perspective that we uh, we look at all of this um, from really Um, I guess the other thing that I um, would say around like performance is that uh, it's not just about you know, I guess the core things that we might think of, um, i.e. reviews, um, feedback, like all of that stuff is important. But I think uh, before you even get there, especially as a really small business, um, you should be thinking about kind of setting really clear expectations um, of people um, and just kind of I guess like we call it contracting um, with people, right? Um, In the same way that you, when you kind of start a job, hopefully you sign some kind of employment contract. Um, I think conversations, contracting conversations are about kind of um, understanding like each other's expectations. um, And then everyone is in a better position to be set up for success. Um, So I think that's really, really important kind of when someone joins um, the team, um, having like that initial chat with them about kind of what the expectations are about the role and also kind of, you know, inviting them to share their expectations of you kind of as their manager or as the person that's going to be um, helping to to set them up for success. So I think that's really important. Um, And I think, uh, yeah, like goals and um, thinking about those is also kind of part of this like performance um, infrastructure. It's such a big topic. I'm, uh, I think I'm bouncing all over the place um, at the moment. So uh, yeah, maybe you want to rein me in slightly. Sure, Um, sure. No, we can, I mean, we can go down the rabbit hole uh, as much as we want, but that's, that's, um, that's that's perfectly fine. Well, I guess just to, on a final note, Hannah, and I suppose mm. just to wrap up, one one of the things that I wanted to, to to finalize with was things like benefits packages, right? I mean, if you're a, mm. a startup and for the first time you're thinking, okay, so what do we offer to either attract people or or retention to make sure people are happy and staying with us? You know, what do we do besides? Okay, you know, pension or, um, you know, things like, uh, oh, snacks at the office and, uh, you know, uh, you know, drinks, you know, every Friday. Like what what would be sort of good things to start with that you've seen that really work, right? That really Mm -hmm. have a meaningful impact in in a company just starting. Yeah, yeah, no, great question. Um, I guess, like, it's hard to answer in a general sense just because um, my, like, core belief about benefits really is that a benefit is only a benefit if it actually benefits people, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) which is revolutionary, I know. Um, But I think, like, you have to start by asking people, the people in your team, like, what is meaningful for you? Um, And, like, having a conversation actually about that and, um, you know, being transparent about where you're at in terms of like budget and how much you you have to spend um you know not necessarily sharing detailed figures but like you know making it clear that we're a series a startup for example like we want to make sure that like what we're offering to you is going to be like impactful but we can't obviously like you know have everything um you know 
there is kind of out there in terms of benefits right now um and so yeah i think start by asking people um what's what's kind of meaningful for them it will depend on like the demographic um of kind of your your workforce and and really just like who they are as individuals um and also i think um you know one trend that i'm seeing um at the moment which i hope becomes just the norm um is really kind of yeah like very individualized benefits so um there's now companies kind of a lot of different companies like thanks ben and juno who um you know you can use to um offer people like what's really really important to them um and just really individualize that so you might have a budget like per person and then um each of your kind of team can can go off and like spend that in in whatever different ways are, are meaningful for them um and so yeah i think that is really the future because there's no even kind of within you know a workforce that maybe have some of the same like interests um and some of the same kind of uh needs uh yet you know between different people still within that will want you know very different will value very different things in very different ways um so so yeah i think um first step is asking people second step is checking out like if you can afford those some of those uh kind of services that can you know um help you to kind of completely individualize your offering um go for it and i think um yeah a lot of them actually have very accessible like entry points um and are aimed at uh, startups so i think definitely that's something um worth checking out um and then i i guess the final thing that i'd say on that is just going back to kind of what um something that i touched on a little bit earlier which is that um actually benefits isn't just kind of things that like a pension um or like um i don't know healthcare um you should also again think about it in the context of like what's your overall value proposition so what are the intrinsic things that are going to kind of motivate people and be be meaningful for them um so yeah i think thinking about it holistically is also really important yeah i think definitely one thing to consider is um especially if you're a startup and just starting out i mean um not to think about it as okay how many little tiny benefits can we pile up mm-hmm. but also use your culture as a benefit right i mean mm-hmm. uh, you know people join companies okay you know the healthcare is interesting or maybe you know there's these social events that you can attend but really it's about you know okay what types of people am i going to be working with or mm-hmm. what types of problems am i going to be solving or coming back to the mission like what what's the impact that we that we're having in in the world or in society you know so these are some of the things that you can you know if you're if you're maybe you know you don't have the ultimate benefits and you might think oh i wish i had better health or anything along those lines then don't forget that you know uh, the the biggest benefit of all is a is a good culture right mm-hmm yeah absolutely that's um that's so meaningful for for people like we we spend a lot of our time at work generally <laughs> yeah. speaking um and so yeah making that experience um as enjoyable as possible and, and kind of really focusing on um on the culture is is just yeah so so important um i would say though like 
as you kind of continue to grow, um, you should definitely kind of be looking at your level of investment in in these things because um, I've also seen it kind of the other way around, right, where people, um, you know, rely on having a great culture um, to, uh, as a way to, like, underpay people um, and or kind of offer them, like, a terrible benefits package. And those things, those things do also matter. Like, there's – I also think it's a mistake to kind of completely – um rely on um on yeah i guess your culture as as compensation for uh for under investing in those things because eventually people start to see a disconnect like if you really kind of care about your team and your people then like um that's all very well kind of you know you doing all of these things to to show that but actually you know i still want to progress um and i still you know want to be able to do the things that um you know my friends are doing and and kind of have a decent like lifestyle um right so I think I think it is it becomes more important like as you you get further along that growth journey to kind of really make sure that you are actually investing in at a level that is commensurate with like how uh yeah your stage of growth um basically Makes perfect sense. Thank you, Anna. Uh, I guess on that note, so if we want to find out more about yourself or Unleashed um, and what you do, where where can we find more information? Yeah, um, so you can shimmy on over to um, our website, which is just unleashed.company. Very simple. Um, Or you can find us on LinkedIn and feel free to connect um, with me personally and uh, reach out with any questions. Perfect, Anna. Well, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time for this call. Uh, we, we've touched upon so many topics, but only at, at the very surface. So guys, if you want to know more about Hannah Unleashed, well, you know where to go. It was great fun speaking with Hannah. You can find links to her profile and Unleashed in the episode description. If you like this podcast, then please subscribe or follow. We're on Apple, Spotify, and all major platforms. Thanks again. And stay safe.